What's up, church? Hey, I don't care if you're in a car, in an office, in a living room. Can you make some noise for the worship team? What's up, TJ on that violin? Stop it. Stop it. That's crazy. Hey, what's up, Red Rocks Church family? Normally, I get to say hi to nine locations. This week, I get to say hi to thousands of locations. And I want to highlight three specific groups that I want to say hi to right off the, right off the beginning. Uh, first is all three of our God Behind Bars campuses, men and women at all three of our God Behind Bars campuses. We love you so much. We believe in you. We're so glad we get to do church with you. You are every bit as much of this church family as these people on stage. We love you. So thank you for joining us. I want to give a special shout out to Brussels, Belgium. What's up, Red Rocks, Brussels? We love you guys so much. And, and we have some special guests that are joining us for two weeks. And it's Liverpool One Church in Liverpool, England. Liverpool One, we love you so much. Welcome. We're glad we get to do church with you. In fact, Red Rocks Church, start getting on Instagram and stalk in Liverpool One because they are family. And Liverpool One, get online and start stalking us because whether you know it or not, we go way back. Some of me and Jill's closest friends in the world are your pastors, Luke and Emma. And we love them so much and we look up to them and respect them. And so Liverpool, your family. Now, I, I do want to say this, though, Liverpool. I don't know what's going to happen with you joining us for church, because depending on how long you've been a part of that church, I've spoken there three times. All three times you lost your building right after I spoke. I'm just saying, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. That little, that little theater you guys used to have, that little creepy theater, let's be honest. I spoke in it one time, you lost it. And then you went to the hotel and you had that big, open, beautiful space. I spoke there one time, gone. Then you went to the college and you had that beautiful theater and that university. Again, I spoke one time, gone. So my hope is, since I'm not actually in your new warehouse, which is amazing, by the way, that you're going to keep it this time, but I can't promise. Red Rocks Church, I love you. Liverpool One, I love you. Everybody joining from everywhere around the world, welcome to Red Rocks Church and Liverpool One as we get together and collab for two weeks. Let's pray and let's get after it. God, I thank you that we get to do church together. I thank you that you've given us this amazing technology that we can be on a jog right now and be together for church. Could be in a living room. Could be in an office, could be in a car, on a phone, on a computer, on a TV, whatever it is. What we know is buildings don't change people's lives. Your presence does. And what we know is your presence is with us right now. And we are so grateful. We love you, God. We thank you. Speak to us now in Jesus name. And everybody everywhere said, amen. Come on. What's up? Hey, I like this guys. I got some people with me for once. What's up guys. Thank you for joining us. TJ, stop it with that violin. My gosh, that is crazy. What a stud. Well, hey, um, every night when we put the kids to bed, um, we try to pray with our boys. We have three boys. Now, two of my boys are teenagers, so I get a lot of eye rolls these days. But um, when they let me, which is most of the time, my boys will tell you, I almost always pray the exact same thing at the end of the prayer. Sometimes it's the only thing I pray, but I almost always end my prayers with, God, would you please help these boys know their entire lives, how much you love them and how much I love them. And would you help them to live with peace and joy 
and purpose their whole life in Jesus name. And I got to tell you, church, Red Rocks, Liverpool, I got to tell you guys, I've been praying all week that, that somehow over the next two weeks that God would speak to us through his word, that he would speak to our minds and to our hearts, and that, that at the end of these two weeks that we would begin to understand just how much our father loves us. And then we would start to walk with a new level of peace and joy and purpose and confidence in this world. Because what we do know is no matter what side of the ocean you're on, we're all going through the same thing right now, just at different levels, aren't we? This COVID thing has got everybody locked up, locked in. Jobs are scarce. People are losing jobs. And, and the big word right now is uncertainty, right? I don't know. I don't know if my kids are going back to school yet. I don't know if there's going to be sports. I don't know if I'm going to keep my job. I don't know if I'm going to find a job. I don't know if we're going to chase down those plans. I don't know what's going to happen with the church. Like the uncertainty and it feels messy, doesn't it? It feels messy, Tyler. And, and, and it, if it was just one thing that was messy, it's like I can handle that. Right. But when it's the kids, the school, my job, our plans, our investments, our finances, our church, our company, our you almost start to feel overwhelmed, don't you? Like when it's everything, when it just, you feel overwhelmed and, and, and you just want to walk. You just want to like, I give up. Like, I don't want to stay in here and trust God. And you know, we, we've got some Red Rock stickers all over the place that say, stay in the fight. I don't want to stay in the fight. I just want to walk sometimes because it's just like, it's overwhelming, isn't it? My wife, my wife sent a text to our family. One of the things that COVID has done is caused us to do a lot of home projects. And, and so, Jake, I'm going to be honest with you. I have no skills at home, right? None. Like, I can't fix a thing. I can't cook a thing. I got nothing to offer. And so COVID is this constant reminder that I am one tiny step above worthless at home, okay? So my wife sends a text to the two. We have a text chain called Team Johnson. It's me and Jill and the three boys. And she t sends a text to Team Johnson on a Saturday last week. She said, hey, 11 a.m., we're meeting in the backyard. We're pulling weeds. Not one of us was happy to get this text. All right. Jill basically has four kids some days. Okay. And now it's crazy because we all go out on the same patio. We all go out there to let this ridiculous new puppy we have out. Us boys have been on the patio as much as Jill has. We've never seen the weeds. I don't even know how that's possible. I didn't even know we had weeds. So, so we go out on the patio and Ashton, our 11 year old, he's like, what are we even doing out here? He's got such an attitude, such a parenting issue. And, and Jill goes, we're pulling weeds. And he goes, well, I don't even, what, what weeds? And she goes, uh, all those and all those. And you see how you don't even know where the yard ends right there. All those and all those. And he, you could just tell he was like overwhelmed. And he goes, why don't we just move? Like, that's how we feel a little bit, isn't it? Like, there's so much. It's just a mess over there, and it's a mess over there, and it's a mess over there. And the things that are hardest to come by right now in our lives, peace, joy, purpose, confidence, right? Those things tend to walk out when we start to feel overwhelmed with uncertainty. And so today, I want to continue something we started a few weeks ago. I want to, I want to go back to the Apostle Paul. Because this guy, as we talked about a few weeks ago, he has this uncanny ability to be in the middle of what would overwhelm just about everybody else. And he can walk through these crazy circumstances with peace and joy and purpose and confidence. In fact, he writes a book 
to his friends in Philippi called Philippians, and he's locked down in house arrest, chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day on his way to be executed. Nothing is going his way. Everything is a mess. Everywhere he looks, nothing is working out the way he hoped. And yet theologians still today go, if you want one word to describe the whole book of Philippians, it's joy. That's what describes that book. In fact, he says joy or rejoice 16 times in only 104 verses. Like that's all he talks about. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm reading this going, how? Because that's what we need. How can you be in the middle of what starts to feel overwhelming? I was talking to a very successful friend recently and I was like, man, how you doing? And he's like, I'm good. And then we kind of drilled in a little bit to like, how are you really doing? And he's like, not great. I'm just sick and tired of feeling like I'm spinning my wheels. Like I'm on a treadmill. Like I feel like I'm working so hard. I'm not getting anywhere because we don't know what's going to happen with this. And we don't know what's going to happen with that. And in, in Liverpool, you guys are locked down even further than we are. We're starting to get a few freedoms back, right? I don't know what's going to happen next. And it's just, it's so frustrating that peace and joy and purpose go out the window. And so what's Paul doing that we can do that we can lean into because Paul, all he knew is I'm writing a letter to my friends, but what we now know is God was ordaining every single word he wrote so that he could talk to us about our lives today. And in, in, in the introduction to the Philippians, it says this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. All right, that's the two from. That's what that is, right? That's the little sticker we put on all our Christmas presents. To Bobby, from mom and dad. That's what that is. To all my, to all my guys, to all my girls, from me and Timothy. Now, here, here's, here goes the letter. Grace, first word. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Not, you're never going to believe what I'm dealing with now. You're never going to believe what I got to figure out now. You're never going to believe what went wrong this week. He starts off the whole thing with grace and peace. And I was talking, Tyler, I was talking to Ryan Weckenman, who's, let's be honest, smarter than every single one of us put together. I was talking to Ryan this week and I was like, Ryan, I can't get past this phrase like grace and peace. It, it, it's almost like Paul's setting a foundation. And he's like, there's so much I want to teach you about the peace and joy and purpose and confidence. But but he builds, he starts the foundation with this word grace and Ryan in a way that only Ryan can do real nicely goes, well, you know, Sean, he doesn't talk like that, but it's just, it's funnier. Um, you know, Sean, he says that at the beginning of all 13 of his letters. And I was like, I know <laughs> testing you, bro. I was like, stop. I literally, while I was on the phone with him, I was like, Hey Ryan, hold on a second. I'm put my headphones in. And I put my headphones. I started reading every sure enough. I went and read all 13 introductions, every single book in the Bible. He writes almost half our New Testament, 13 out of 27 books. And he starts every single one of them off with the same two words, grace and peace. Every now and then he gets real spicy a couple times and throws in mercy. But every time he says grace and peace. And I think he put them in that order for a reason. He's trying to teach his friends. There's so much I want to help you with about your life. It starts with you understanding grace. And then the next thing you have is peace. But until you understand the grace, you will not experience the peace. And then he goes on to write about joy and purpose and confidence. And we now know that God's using these books to speak to us about our lives. So get how serious God is with this. 
He gives us 27 New Testament books and 13 times he says, I got a whole bunch to do with your life today. I want to lead you and guide you and equip you and strengthen you and challenge you. I got, I'm going to change your life, but none of this will matter if we don't start with the foundation. You've got to start by understanding my grace. One time he says it, second book, third book, fourth book, fifth book, sixth book, se- 13th book, he says, I want to, I want to help you with your life today, but I got to start with the say, I got to tell you again, until you understand the foundation starts with grace. And from there, now we can go live life to the fullest. God goes way out of his way to say, you got to get this grace thing. You got to start to accept it and embrace it and walk in it because it's out of that. Everything else will flow, right? So then Paul to another group of friends of his in Ephesians, same thing, starts it off, grace and peace. And then I don't know if like his friends in Ephesians just weren't the brightest guys. I don't know what the deal was, but he's like, you know what? I'm, I, I gotta stop. I gotta explain it. They're not getting it. They're not picking up what I'm trying to put down. I gotta help them understand this grace thing. And so he, Ephesians 2.8, says this to his friends in Ephesus. He goes, let, let, me, let me explain it to you. For it's by grace that you're saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God. It's interesting because I knew I was going to talk about this this week. And I texted, I I think I didn't count them, but somewhere around 10 pastors. And most of them, if I were to tell you their names, you'd be like, I podcast them. And I said, how do you define grace? I was almost embarrassed to ask it. Cause I'm like, I'm a pastor. I should probably know what I say, but like, how do you define grace? How do you define grace? How do you define grace? And what I learned was they're all saying the same thing and not one of them said the same thing. Not one. And I thought, you know what? If I took this mic around to the thousands of locations in all the countries that are joining in right now and said, do you, have you, have you heard about grace? Almost everybody goes, yep. Sang it. Amazing grace. Ever heard of it? Okay. What is it? Oh, well, it's, uh, it, in fact, you know what, Corey, what? No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> you should have seen his eyes. He went, uh, grace is, it's, um, it's when you, well, it's, it's when you, it's when you don't, it's bec- well, it's because of grace that like, and I put all these guys' definitions together and realize they're using different words, but they're all saying the same things. See, see, w- 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 let me give you a long version and then I'm gonna give you a short version. Here's the long version. And I, and I wanna suggest that you take a screenshot of the long version and, and I'll tell you why. Grace is this, unearned, undeserved, unmerited, favor, forgiveness, love, and kindness from God. Unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor, forgiveness, love, and kindness from God. And the reason I told you to screenshot it is take that into your quiet times this week with God and start focusing on each one of those words for a minute. God, would you please remind me because I've never needed it more that I get your grace today and it's unearned. God, there's so much in me that wants to try to earn it. Would you help me fight that? Would you help me put those thoughts to rest and just receive it? God, there's so much about me that wants to try to deserve your grace. Would you, I went and got a dictionary and just looked up every single word of that statement right there and just had quiet times around the the meaning of every one of those words and letting God remind me what grace is and what it isn't. So I put their definition out. See, when I got saved, I was told this, I was given three words. It was like this. 
Justice, mercy, grace. Justice is you get what you deserve. Mercy is you don't get what you really deserve. Grace is you get what you don't deserve. And, and I was like, well, okay, I kind of get it, but it's kind of confusing. We get justice. Bless you. We get justice. You ask these guys to join you. They sneeze in your message. We get justice because like innately, here's what we do. We understand when there's an injustice, don't we? We understand when something's not right, when something's not the way it should be, right? Like we see somebody pushed down, made to feel less than, abused, hurt, even killed because of the color of their skin and something, or at least it should, goes off on the inside of us like an alarm and it goes, that's not right. That's not how God created us. We were created equal. Our differences in skin color, that should be celebrated. Not a reason to hurt somebody else. Not a reason to push somebody else down. We're all children of God. That's not right. I've spent, I've spent some time this week weeping with some of my African-American friends over some current events. Why? Because something on the inside of me, like an alarm has been going off. And it's like, that's not right. We understand that, but, but, but it's, it's, it's that knowledge of justice and injustice that almost fights against us when it comes to experiencing grace, because you ought to get what you deserve. That's how we feel. That's how we think. That's how everybody else in the world treats us. You ought to get what you deserve. And mercy is you deserve punishment, but God says, I'll keep you from it. And grace is you don't deserve my goodness, but I'm going to give it to you. So you can take that long definition, but you can also take the short definition. Grace is God given me what I don't deserve. Grace is Jesus, right? Grace is the cross. Grace is God looking at someone like me who hurt people on purpose and who lied and took advantage of people and who was incredibly selfish and incredibly sinful and mocked people who cared about God. And he sent his son to die for people like me and people like you. And he paid a price. He died for our sins on the cross to pay for all of our mistakes so that today we can choose him, be forgiven, be set free, be redeemed, have his spirit live within us, get heaven forever. That's grace. I never earned that. I never deserve that, right? That's grace. We get from the father what we never deserved. I was at a dinner this past week outside, socially distanced, it was me and BZ and Scott, Lori and Kelly and Jill. And I got a, my phone was on silent, but I looked over at it and I realized I'd missed a call from my 15 year old son, Austin. And then I saw, I realized I missed a text. And so I picked up the phone real cool. I didn't want to interrupt dinner. And I looked down at it and he said, dad, it's an emergency. Please call me now. I started to panic a little bit, but I didn't want to upset my wife and, you know, interrupt the dinner. And so I grabbed the phone. I said, excuse me, guys. And I went over to the side. I'm about you know, 10, 15 feet over here. And I call my son. I'm like, Austin, what's up? Are you okay? Is Ashton okay? Is the house burning down? Like what's wrong? He goes, dad, I need 10 V bucks. What? What is a V buck? <laughs> I need to buy a skin on Fortnite. There's a free game called Fortnite that I've spent hundreds of dollars on over the course of the last three years, I think. I was so mad, you guys. And I started 
trying to quietly yell at my son because I got friends like 10 feet away. You know how we do that, parents? You know what I'm talking about. I was like, don't you ever, don't you ever. Hey, guys, now that's fantastic. Thanks, Kelly. Don't you ever do that again. Do you understand me? He goes, oh, dad, I'm sorry. I was just, you know, I thought it'd be funny. I said, that's not funny. He goes, I'm so sorry, dad. I go, I got to go. He goes, hey, dad. I go, yeah. He goes, what do you say about those V-Bucks? <laughs> Parent fail. You know what I did, Tyler? I go, fine, get them. <laughs> I did. And I go, don't tell your mom. I got to go. Now, some of you heard me say that, and something went off on you like an alarm on the inside, and you felt like that's not right. In fact, some of you just thought, that's his kid's problems. You don't parent like that. Don't reward him for that kind of behavior. How, why would you possibly give him that? He didn't deserve that. Is it possible that someone could say that to God about the grace that you've been given? I guarantee you there's people in heaven if they can come up and put their arm around God and have conversations, I don't know what it's going to be like. But I guarantee you there's times in heaven when they're like, yo, God, why would you bless Sean like that? You're going to encourage that behavior. He didn't deserve that. Look at the way he's been acting. Look at the way he carries himself. Look what he just said and did and has the nerve to call himself a pastor and you're going to bless him. It's called grace, isn't it? Is God gives us stuff we just don't deserve, and it's true for every single one of us. For it is by grace you are saved. I'm going to break this verse down in the time we got left. Saved. Paul's talking to some friends in Rome. He says, I don't want you to miss this. It's not just God being nice. You are getting grace, and it is going to literally change your life in the here and now and your eternity. You need to be saved by grace. That's what he's telling his friends. And they must have been like, saved from what? Because he broke it down for them. 323, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God because God's standard is perfection. And so he says, you've all messed up. We all have. We've all sinned. So we can't go coexist with God. He's perfect and we're not. That's the breaks. That's the way it works. There's not one of us that hasn't messed up. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of that sin is death. Because we've sinned and because God's standard is perfect, the punishment, the price of that sin is eternal separation from God in a place that the Bible calls hell. That's what he's talking about, death. God real quickly follows that up with, but that's not my plan for any of you. That's not my plan for any of my kids. That's why I sent my son. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's the grace. That's the gift that we haven't earned, that we haven't deserved, but we just get. But we need the gift. It's by the grace, getting what we've never earned, that we can be saved forgiven of our sins, filled with his spirit, living with him forever and eternity. We need the grace. For it's by grace that you are saved through faith. Paul says you get to play a part. We get to play a part. We get to choose. I get to choose if I'm going to trust him or not. He won't force us to take the grace, will he, Jimmy? 
It just won't. He says, I love you. And I paid everything for you. I gave it all for you. It's the best gift you've ever heard of, but I won't force you to take it. You get to choose. I walked to my bedroom last week. My wife was sitting on the bed and my 11 year old son was jumping on my side of the bed, which that's why it goes like this. Thanks for nothing. So he's jumping on the bed again, parenting issues. I know. So I'm on the phone. I see them in the room and I'm trying to finish a call. So I'm like, oh, I start to walk away as I'm walking away. I hear I just barely pick up on my 11 year old on the edge of the bed. And we have our beds probably up about this high. OK, I mean, you got a little get a ladder to get up on this thing. So he's, he's his head's high like he falls to the ground. We're going to the ER emergency room, Liverpool. I don't know what you guys call it. He's going to get stitches. And here's what he does. Doesn't tell me he's going to do it. I'm halfway in the room. I'm walking away and he goes, dad, trust fall and just starts falling off the bed. And I was like, Hey man, I got, Oh my gosh. I barely caught him. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He goes, trust fall dad. Okay. Don't do it again. He decided I'm going to put my life in my dad's hands because he's got me. Trust fall, dad. When I was 24. I got invited to a church and a guy up on a stage said I could have grace. And he said it would change everything about my life. And then I was a drug abusing, alcohol abusing disaster of an individual. Couldn't feel more lost. Couldn't feel more hopeless. And in a way that day I was like, all right, trust fall, dad. I don't know how this is going to go. I don't know what this is going to look like. Some, some, I can feel you drawing me near to you. I can feel you drawing me into a relationship that I can't even fully explain, but I know I need you. I'm going to put my life in your hands. I choose to trust you. Trust fall. I believe some of you are going to make that decision today. And it's going to be the best decision of your life. Understand this though, Christians. We still get to make the choice today if we accept his grace. You know that grace is not a one time thing. Let's keep reading for it is by grace that you are saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. He said, it's not about you because he's talking. Keep in mind, he's talking to church people. The letter isn't going to people who don't know Jesus yet. This letter is going to church people. It's going to us. He says, I know you and I know how you get and you try real hard with the best intentions to serve God and obey. And you try to do these things out of love. But sometimes when you're not careful, it gets twisted in your mind. And now I'm no longer obeying God out of love. Somehow in my mind, I'm obeying God to get his love. I'm no longer going into my quiet time because I love. I'm somehow going in there because I think maybe I could get it. And if I don't, and if I do enough bad things, and if I look at the wrong thing and say the wrong thing and do the wrong thing and anxiety takes over and depression takes over and situations take over and I don't handle things well, and then I quit and I miss a service and I don't read and I don't. And we start figuring, I guess I'm out. I guess I've used up all the grace. No, we get to, it's not about you. That's what he says. Something Stacy Smith told me when I was 12 years old, Corey. She broke my heart, bro. Sixth grade. You don't feel it. I can tell you don't feel it the way you should. 
And she had to be coached by an older sister. Because you know what she told me? It's not you. It's me. I didn't know she was teaching me about grace. That's what God's saying to every single one of us right now. Stop trying to perform your way into my good graces. It is not about what you do and don't do. It's not about you. It's about me. It's not about what you can do. It's about what my son already did. It's not about you. That's good news for us. See, every other major world religion works like this. I got to work real hard. I got to try real hard. And if I do enough good, maybe God will love me. And Christianity is the exact opposite. It's, it's God looking at us saying, I've done everything. I've done all the work. It is finished. And I did it all to prove to you how much I love you. It's not about you. God says, it's about me. And I got you. It's called grace. And lastly, for it is by grace that you are saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a, that's it. Man, it's a gift of God. I think that's why Jesus said, have childlike faith. It'll help you out. Because, you know, they have those five love languages. Mine is gift giver. I mean, I could give some gifts. And, and in the history of my children's lives, I've never once given them a gift and had one of them go, you know what, Dad? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Now, I just, I don't deserve it. Not once. They take the gift, occasionally say thank you, and they run. And I think Paul's reminding his friends, guys, stop disqualifying yourself from this. You're making it way too difficult. Some of you, you need God's grace for the very first time today. You can feel it in your heart. He's calling you into a relationship with him. You need to have your sins forgiven. You want his spirit to begin living in you, in you so you can do and conquer and overcome things you never thought you could. You want heaven forever. You need this for the first time. But I'm telling you, I guarantee you there's some church people out there. You need to be reminded you too qualify for his grace today for the 10,000th time. It doesn't run out. Sometimes you got to stop disqualifying yourself from the grace of God. Stop treating your life like it's a teeter-totter, right? And it's here's the things I've done good and here's the things I've done bad. And let's see where I'm at with God today. We're going to get into that more next week. I need God's grace today for the 10,000th time. Just as much as I needed it the first day I came to a church. And here's the thing. It's accessible to every single one of us, and it is a gift. And all we have to do is accept the gift, and it changes things. About 10 years ago, we played a video in church, and uh, truth be told, I actually saw a church recently play the same video. I hadn't seen it in 10 years. And 10 years ago, I, I played this video and said, this is a picture of grace. And man, I saw it about a week ago and it rocked me again. And I was like, man, Carson, get that thing dug up out of the archives. We're going to show the church again. It's such a beautiful picture of God's grace for every single one of us. There, there, there's this, this family, their last name is Hoyt. And they had a baby and they, and they named him Rick. 
And I think it was a, an issue with the umbilical cord, but something happened during birth, supposed to be healthy, and lost oxygen going to the brain. It caused all sorts of problems to the point where the doctors said, your baby will never walk, never talk. Here's what they told the parents. He will be a, quote, vegetable. You should just institutionalize him until he passes. Talk about heartbreaking. His parents were like, no, I don't think so. They took their baby boy home. And they started to notice as he was getting a little older that he would follow them around the room with his eyes. He couldn't move. He couldn't talk. He couldn't communicate. But there was activity. Something was happening. They even started teaching him the alphabet through blinking. In 1972, they got together. They got $5,000 and some engineers from a university. And these engineers created for the very first time this interactive technology. And they put it up next to his head. And it would scroll through letters on a screen. And he could bump this pad and choose letters and get this for the first time in his life he could communicate to his family. Can you imagine being in a body that can't talk and can't move and you can't communicate and all of a sudden for the first time in your life you can communicate? Can you imagine the freedom? Can you imagine that? And, and shortly after that, get this, he's 15 and a student has a horrible accident and gets paralyzed. And the school says they're going to put on a five-mile race to raise money for the family. And through this interactive technology, which is now worldwide, started, by, started for this young man named Rick Hoyt. Through that technology, he spelled out a sentence to his parents. He said, I want to run. He said, he said I want to show him that life still goes on. And so what do you do if you're his dad? You run, right? And so his dad, who's not a runner, pushes Rick in his wheelchair in this five-mile race to raise money for this family. And I was reading an article about it this week, and he said, we finished real close to last. He said, but we finished. And he said, he said but I couldn't hardly walk for two weeks. <laughs> and I read this, and I want to share it with you. When Rick got home from that race, he told me, when I'm out running, it feels like my disability disappears. <laughs> he called himself Freebird. <laughs> so what do you do if you're that dad? You start learning how to run, don't you? He's not a runner, but he started training to be a runner. And then he realized his son Rick didn't want to just run. He wanted to ride a bike and he wanted to swim so his dad starts sacrificing like crazy to start training for a triathlon. I don't know if you know what a triathlon is. I didn't know the specifics of it. Listen to this. 2.4 miles swim. Okay, I've already drowned. 112 mile bike ride. And then you do a marathon. You don't go home and take a nap. You just start the marathon. Let me get this right. Yep. They, Rick and his dad have now done 257 triathlons. <laughs> Is that crazy? They were just inducted into the Triathlon Hall of Fame. And I saw this video of their story. 
And it made me think of me and my God and what my God has gone through and the grace he gives me that allows me to go places I could never go without him. I want you to think about your relationship with God and the grace that he offers you as you watch this. Who taught the sun where to stand in the morning? And who told the ocean you can only come this far? And who showed the moon where to hide till evening? Whose words alone can catch a falling star? Now I know my Redeemer lives. Amazing, unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor, forgiveness, love, and kindness from our Heavenly Father. And when we just accept it, it allows our, our Father to take us places we could never go on our own. And some of you, it's time. It's time for you to accept that grace for the very first time. And for a whole bunch of you, what a, what a great day to be reminded, oh wait, God's not looking at how I performed this week. And that gets to decide what he thinks of me. See, 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 because I've experienced his grace. 
and I get it today. And I'm perfect in his sight and I'm righteous and I'm holy and I'm a king's kid and I'm an heir to the throne. And what I did and didn't do doesn't change the way my God sees me because he sees me based on what Christ already did. And he did everything. And I get grace. Some of you first day today, some of you 10,000. It's just as real. It applies just the same. It's just as amazing. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this moment. I thank you that you're here with us. I thank you that every single location has your presence right now, that you're speaking to our hearts and our minds. Mm. God, I pray for those right now who are right now thinking, do I, do I take this trust fall for the first time? I pray, God, that you would give some just the courage. Your word says that you actually give us the faith to even begin to believe. And so I just pray for that right now to rise up in some of our spirits right now. I'm going to use this God-given measure of faith, and I'm going to put my life in his hands. And I thank you, God. God, I want to pray. I want to pray for the, those of us, Red Rocks Church family, Liverpool One family, all those tuning in right now that are just checking this stuff out. God, I pray for those of us who have been a believer for a while. We started trying to obey and we started trying to spend time with you and we started trying to live righteously out of the best motives, but somehow we get it twisted in our minds and we feel like, I don't think I've done enough and I think I've done too many bad things and not enough good things. And I don't know if I could still have that grace. And I pray, God, that the reality that your grace does not run out and that we get it today in the exact same way we got it day one. I pray that that would overtake our thinking. Right now, I want to pray for, for you with everyone's head bowed, eyes closed. I want to ask two questions and I want to give you a chance to respond to what God might be doing in your life today. First is this. You don't have a relationship with God yet, but you know, this is my moment. I need to accept this gift of salvation. I want to, I want to repent of my sins. I want to say to this Lord, I'm not going to be perfect, but I, I choose you. I choose to put my faith in you. I choose to follow you. If that's you right now, at every location, no matter where you're watching, would you physically raise your hand? Sometimes it's good to make an actual physical movement that just sort of describes it, something that's going on on the inside. Would you physically raise your hand? If, if you're watching on a platform and, and the option is available, click the raise hand button underneath this video and let us know that you're making this decision. We want to send you some resources and celebrate with you. And the second question is this. You already have a relationship with God. Maybe you have had one for so many years, you don't even know exactly how long it's been. But what you do know is how much guilt and shame you carry. And sometimes the thoughts of how guilty I am and how guilty I feel, sometimes the thoughts of the guilt and the shame overshadow the truth that I can still have his grace. And today you would just say, I just need your grace again today, God, for the 10,000th time. If that's you, raise your hand. And we are going to accept this free gift of grace, unearned, undeserved. 
unmerited favor, forgiveness, love, and kindness from our Father. God, we love you. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the grace we've never earned. And it is our absolute honor to worship you now in Jesus' name. And everybody at every location said, amen, amen. Hey, church, no matter where you're watching from, I just challenge you, stand up on your feet. Stand up on your feet. This first song is going to be a slower song. Stand up on your feet. Let's worship together. Let's worship our God for how good he is, for what his son has done, and this unbelievable, unearned, amazing grace that he's given us. Amen? Amen. Let's worship.